Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, three-man booth today, no guests. Get to stretch our legs a little bit. And let me ask you first, kind of an awkward question, but it's an important one. I've been kind of worried about it. On a scale of one to ten, all right, one being not noticeable, just not noticeable at all, ten being I think Bram may or may not have on the front of his pants, how noticeable is the stain on my pants when you boys first came into the office today? Like super, I was really worried about it. I didn't want to say anything about it as we sat here and talked about the episode, but now that I'm coming clean, did you guys see it at all or where are we at? It was I, an 11 for me. Oh, wow, really? Oh, I thought, it was a, I thought you weren't standing up because of some kind of power move. <laughs> Like, you ready to drop some knowledge on me? Yeah, that will, the, the power move and the knowledge I'm going to drop on you is don't sh** in the front of your pants because people apparently notice it right in the beginning. It is what it is. I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but I was kind of hoping you guys were going to say you didn't notice. So who cares? Who cares? Uh, talking about cliffhangers that do actually matter, we stopped last week's episode on what I thought to be an amazing cliffhanger. The question you guys may or may not remember involved a time machine. Uh, To reset it, what we set up, there is both good and bad news. Good news, time machine has been invented. Boys, bad news, it's limited and kind of weird. Can only send you to a very specific time period, 20 years from today, into a very specific place, a room with Adam Silver and only for 10 minutes, or more specifically, about enough time to ask three questions. And what I asked you boys was, what three questions would you ask? And we left it at that. We're picking it back up now. I want to hear your guys' questions. Uh, but before we do, I'll give you my three. Here's what I came up with. One, what teams did Steph play for throughout his career? What I'm hoping he'll tell us is just the Warriors. But I've said in the past, I think there's going to be more than one team in there. So I'm interested to hear what it is. Two, how many titles did Golden State win in San Francisco? I'm not sure what I'm hoping to hear there. I should tell you, but you know, like 20, right? They just won every year or whatever the hell it was. I don't know if I want to hear that. I'm still kind of bitter about the move, but I'll keep that to the side. And then the final one, I couldn't decide. But you figure as the commish, Silver has got access to like shady knowledge. Stories that we've heard, confirmations that we'd like. So I wanted to go that angle, right? So either is there any truth 
to Delonte West having, let's call them, sexual relations with uh, LeBron's mom? Or is there any truth or any connection between LeBron and Draymond's suspension in Game 5? I'd love for Silver to confirm, yep, when uh, LeBron called us, we were not necessarily going to suspend Draymond, but the second he did, we suspended his ass. So those are my three questions. Um, I'm hoping you guys have three, but what do you got? MT. So I only have two. God damn it, MT. I mean, it's been like a full week, man. We waited the whole time through. If you only had two when I asked you the question last week, that would make sense. Is the third question why I don't care about what Bram asked me? Yeah, Go the ahead. third question is, how did Bram get that stain on his pants? I told you how I got ago. it. I told you how I got it. That's not funny, and it does not excuse you for screwing us and the listeners. Go I, ahead. I'll think of a third one on the fly. How about that? First one will be, how many times... Was the NBA draft rigged? <laughs> Everybody always thinks that it's not, and I feel like New Orleans getting the first pick kind of proves that out because it should have gone to New it's York. A good but, question. You know. I'll tell you that I wanted to tell you all of your questions were terrible. <laughs> that one was not terrible. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, the second one would be what thought process went into the NBA going back to Seattle, and the idea is to get an answer on how many teams if there are new expansion teams like I think they'll go back to Seattle within 20 years obviously should be there by then but you know he'll know and he'll he'll kind of have the inside knowledge of what cities probably paid him off to get into the league I'm gonna talk now I have nothing to say nothing to say at all (laughs) I'm talking only to give you enough time to vamp and come up with a third question here's your opportunity what do you got over to you, Maxine. You are terrible, man. You are terrible. I give that an F. I should give you an F minus, but I'll give you an F because of our friendship. Maxine, tell me you have three questions. I do, I do, and I'm actually pretty excited about them. Um, but but you just remi- you just made me think of a bonus one, so I can give it to you if you want, which nice. is tangential to that. Which is how many countries have NBA teams? There you go. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I came up with a question: Why Adam Silver does Marcus not care about this podcast? <laughs> would be weird. I mean, he's the producer of the podcast. You'd think he would take time to come up with a third question, but I don't want to bury your lead. What do you got? Well, that's all right because I have another bonus one. You remember that Would You Rather game? He's making you look terrible. This fool yes. has so many questions; they're just flowing out of him, dude. Flowing out. Go ahead. Do you remember the Would You Rather game? I don't remember what the other rather was, but one of them was have Adam Silver come in, read you a bedtime story, and tuck you in at night. And I want to know, was he as creeped out by that as I was? (laughs) I don't remember that Would You Rather at all. That was your question. I I can imagine. I felt like you were making fun of me. I'm going to slowly take back the credit (laughs) I have been kind of handing out to you. So let's just get to your real question. All right, all right, all right. So first and foremost, did Kevin Durant end up getting another ring? And I think that that speaks a lot to you know what, do you hope the answer what is? happened. Hell no! <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, yeah, no. I hope I hope the dude comes back. I hope he gets close. You know, I hope we beat him in the finals a couple times. But nah, no, 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 no. Screw that. Um, secondly, how many women coaches have there been in the league? Women head coaches. Yeah. Pretty interested in that. Because I think that's a trend that's going on. It's actually a lot of intrigue. I saw a. a um, a headline that was basically asking, is the influx of women into coaching positions in the NBA coming at the detriment of the WNBA? Hmm. Um, I thought that was an interesting question. But over under five. You take the over and the under. Ooh. 20 years from now. It's pretty good. I would take the over, but just slightly. You see that question on the fly, Marcus? Yeah. That was for you. Yeah. I got one. 
who's your least favorite player in your tenure as a commissioner? Yeah. Well, 45 minutes later, I'm not sure that that actually <laughs> counts at all. What's your third question? Uh, this one, this one's specifically for you, Bram. I know you're going to love it. Um, who is your favorite player and why is it Patrick McCaw? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> There's nothing like inside jokes 16 months later. I mean, there's one dude out there like, remember when they used to joke about Pat McCaw? Ah, and one, one dude is me. Is me, that's exactly right. And I'd like you not to steal my humor, Marcus. It'd be a lot better if I finished my own jokes. Well, boys, I would like to start up a tradition of having a cliffhanger question every week. I've got one for you this week. At this stage, I'm not gonna drop the question, but I will just drop a straightforward plead. Marcus, can. Would you mind coming up with answers, man? I mean, what, we're asking you too much here or what? Is it one question or three? My God. My <laughs> God. I'm not even going to answer that. Instead, I would like to feature the sound of me fighting you, but I can't fight, so we'll just move on. Uh, the meat of today's podcast, boys, is going to be dropping accurate predictions for the Warriors. Now, a couple of warnings. Um, the questions I'm going to be asking you will be spanning a lot of years, won't always have an objective answer, meaning we can't necessarily always verify which one of us is right. But the second one, maybe more importantly, these are not thrown into a vacuum. We, in fact, do have Maddie Stats, our master of stat out there, keeping track of every single syllable we utter, which means at the end of the year, we are going to come back revisit these guesses and figure out which one of us was absolutely right. In fact, I wouldn't mind adding a little stakes. Generally speaking, we put money on this. I've got 100 beans uh, cool. that says that I will be the person who gets most of these guesses right at the end of the year. You guys want to throw down? 100? Can we, can we figure out and have Maddie tell us what the results are from this season mm -hmm. before we that will bet happen. on another season? That will happen before next Jeez. year, but I need you to have confidence before you find out that you lost to me this year as well. All right. I'm down. Yeah, I mean, you know, peer pressure, but sure, let's do it. Boom. I'd like you to edit out the peer pressure part. <laughs> Just put that right to the side. I want you to sound really excited about this. All right. Let's jump in, and I'm going to start with a question that shows not all of these are going to have a verifiable answer. Here it is. Publicly, they have to. Publicly, the Warriors' stated goals for this year, I mean, they haven't said it, but we can imagine, is to be a contender, right? Every team's actual goal for every season is to try to win a title. But not publicly. Behind the scenes, obviously, the goals for each franchise changes, right? Uh, Atlanta is not going to consider it a failed season if they don't win a title. They're going to have far more modest goals. So my first question is, for the Warriors, behind the scenes, what are their actual goals? What would be considered a, uh, a successful season? I'll, I'll drop my first guess and go first here. I don't think it's a title. You know, if, if they don't win the title, they'll be fine. If they don't make the Western Conference Finals, they'll be fine. I think a successful season this year is a, is a real opportunity at the playoffs. I mean, like, be in the playoff chase until the last day of the regular season. And then perhaps more importantly, give the front office, give the coaches, give the players a sense of how this roster actually fits so they can make a call next year. Who do they have to drop? Who do they have to add? Is, is D'Angelo Russell a part of the future? So it's a playoff berth and an understanding of who should be starting, who should be kicked out, who should really be embraced. That's what I think they need. Nice. I'm going to take it one step further. I do think Western Conference Finals is the internal goal wow. and should be. I think once they get Clay back, then it becomes the team that the Warriors were before KD came. 
I mean, obviously you're missing, you know, Livingston and Iggy and, and some of the, the old guard, but I think having that as the, the bar is what they're going to strive for because it's super important to Steph and Clay and Draymond to show that we were the Warriors before KD got here and we're going to be the Warriors after. So I think taking a, that approach into the playoffs, I think they make the playoffs and then still beating the teams of like a Utah or the Lakers, whoever that they'll play in that second round, um, I think becomes crucial and important for them to show like we're not going anywhere. Do you think secretly they still look down on those teams? You know what I mean? Like like the Utahs of the world. These teams who over the last four or five years, we I mean, nobody said it, but they're on a different tier, you know? And, and now they're being considered on the same tier, in some instances above them. Yeah. Do you think when they look at this, you know, when they're not going to tell anybody, they're not going on Stephen A. Smith's show and letting them know, hey, F these guys, but internally, do you think that's what they're thinking? I think that they believe they still have the mental edge over all of them, yep. which is enough to put them over. I think they worry about the mental edge over Kawhi because Kawhi just doesn't care. He's like, I will go in there and slay the giant. Right. Um, but for those other teams, I think when they sh- shorten the rotations and get into a playoff series, they still have that mental adva- advantage over them. And they look at a Houston, they look at the Lakers, they look at a Utah, Denver, and they just say, we have you beat mentally. Mm-hmm. We just need to make sure we're healthy enough to do it physically. We have the physicality as well. Yeah, yeah so actually... Specifically for that reason is why I think that, at least for the front office, not for our stars, it's a second round um, berth. In that, I agree with you, for Steph, for Draymond, for Clay, for sure, gotta be the Western Conference Finals. But for that front office, they're looking at a ridiculously new roster from where they were last year. And so, you know, to your point, Bram, I think it's it's not just about seeing what this team is, but how many 16-game players do we have? What's really interesting about the NBA, we've used this line a bunch of times, is that you kind of have to get there before you win, right? Like, people need to understand the pressure, and they need to understand their roles, all these things. And the only reason I think the Warriors are going to be limited is there's so many questions about people's roles. Mm. I mean, I don't... I, I, if you ask me to bet my life on who the leading scorer off the bench would be, I have no idea who I would tell you. I have no idea. You know, like there, there's all of these really important distinctions. You know, who is going to be our leading rebounder? Who is going to be our go-to uh, defensive guy in the post? Who is going to be the leading scorer off the bench? All these questions have yet to be answered, and it's for that reason alone that I'm worried about their success when they actually get to the playoffs. What you know? What's the date? It's August 21st. You know, so by the time April rolls around, you know, like there, there's a lot of, of understanding and experience in basketball that is going to happen between now and then. So perhaps those questions will have been answered. But that's one of the major limitations that I think they're going to have. Who was the leading scorer off the bench last season? Uh, Point being, I don't know if it matters, right? Right. right. I mean, but although it wasn't scoring off the bench that we necessarily had to worry about then, right? I mean, I could tell you the first person off the bench immediately, Andre, right? I can tell you the other person. But it wasn't for his scoring. It wasn't for his scoring, but every single person on last year's team knew exactly what was expected of them and knew exactly why it was expected of them. Roles were defined. We don't, right now, those roles have not yet been defined because they don't know. There's no way they can know. Yeah. I think they I think it's a great question and I think it's a great point. I, I think once Clay comes back and they try the three headed monster with D'Angelo and they're struggle defensively, I think they play around with D'Angelo coming off the bench mm-hmm. and him 
talking to Iggy on the phone and yep. embracing the role, and he becomes the leading scorer. Off the I, I honestly agree with that, which goes back to, we'll end this question with where I started it. What's really important, my goal is, they figure these things out. Just get those those questions answered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if we're not gonna win a title this year, which is, I mean, I won't say foregone conclusion, anything can happen, but if they don't win a title this year and are able to understand their roster, that's a huge success for me. It is. You know, and now we move forward with a brand new arena with enough money to kill God, you know, right. and, and a reputation for free agents to follow, which is why I think they should go. Yeah. Uh, here's my next question. Maxim, I'm gonna start with you. Well, hold on, so it's either, it's either Kavon at 6.3 or Quinn Cook at 6.9, depending on how you consider it. So to let you guys bench. let you guys in on my thought, so as we were doing this and Marcus and I were just going through this back and forth, I look over, Maxine's looking down. He's unmistakably the facial expression of someone who's looking at his phone. So I got kind of pissy about that, which is why I threw the first answer to this next question towards you. Turns out he was looking up an answer and stats for the pod. So it wasn't the bust out moment I hoped it to be. Nicely played, Maxime. I'm still going to go to you for our first answer here. The first statue at Chase Center will be? I don't think they'll put up a statue before Steph leaves the team. And I think it will be Steph. Yeah. Are you kind of surprised that Lacob hasn't already built a statue of KD? I mean, he's already retiring his number. Why not throw <laughs> his bust out front? It's a great point. <laughs> I think Steph, too. I think it's a push. I think they do Steph, Clay, Draymond, and KD all at the same time. Do you? Do you, do you really think that? Do you think KD gets a statue? I do. I think they memorialize that team as like this was one arguably the best team ever. And rather than split them apart, show that they were together and that, that brotherhood and say we're putting up the statues the same way they came together. If statues appear in 2020, I agree with you. If statues appear anytime after 2022, no way. No way. Uh, that, like if, if we get three, four years away from when this happened and Katie has completely distanced himself from this team, um, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't have any control over the statues, but I would be upset by that. I don't need a statue out front. I don't. I do not need that. Not if we have separated ourselves from the dynastic years. If KD in the middle of next season says, oh man, I love the words, I, I didn't realize what I had, would you give him a statue then? That phrase, yes, I didn't realize what I had. If he comes back and just acknowledges I had a great time there, which of course he did, of course he did. You know, we all did. Um, but if, if it's only an acknowledgement of the time he had here and the success he had, no. No, I don't. I mean, statues go beyond jersey retirements. You know, yeah. I'm like, we're talking like there are, if we are talking about NBA players, how many statues are there out there? Less than 50? Right. You know, I don't know. I've never done a podcast documentary on the NBA you know, statues that exist on the planet Earth, but I can't imagine there's more than 50. If we are going to add three more to that, do I think that KD in a, in a Warriors jersey should be amongst the 53 people on Earth who have been statuized? No. No, I don't. I agree. I, just, I, I, I could see them doing a statue of the Hamptons Five. Let, let's let's split up the question. All right, will they? The new question: Will they make a statue of KD? And if it was up to you, would you make a statue of KD? Yeah. So I say yes and yes. And here's the thing: is I think the farther you remove yourself from 2020, the more you're actually going to want to do that because it will be looked 
back on as the greatest team. Now get out of here. If, if, we, if we spend the next three years rooting for Clay, Dre, and Steph at Chase Center, I mean, that, that they're the only people within our, our basketball universe. They do whatever it is that they're going to do. We have that success. And then they start unveiling statues, and they include someone who we have not seen for three years and basically told us to f*** ourselves. You yeah. know? I mean, no, but look, they've, they've never been as dominant, right? Like, when you get past the emotions of all of that, right, when you have people alive that weren't around for any of this era of the Warriors, they're going to talk about that being the most dominant team. If we get back to the finals, I hope and think that we will. I think there's a chance for us to win more championships. It will not be as easy as it was when we have Kevin Durant. I mean, that's just the best team. If they get back to the finals, what they will have established is that the people who were the backbone of those dynastic years and the reason they got to the finals did not include KD. For sure, but, but we weren't able to win a championship once KD got hurt. Well, that's unfair. We won a championship before he was even on the team. What are you talking about? We didn't need KD to I'm win I'm saying a championship. It, just, it was easier at that point. It, it, was, it, it was absolutely So that's why they're the easier. most dominant team. But I understand what you mean, and I understand that we would be memorializing perhaps the most successful team of all time. But I don't think that's what goes into the decision of whether or not you're going to put someone in bronze in front, of your sta- in front of your stadium. I don't. I think that it has more to do with what someone has done for your team, not historically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... All of this is subjective. It's not objective at all. You know, so I, I hear what you're saying, and it makes sense to me. But if it were up to me, and I have spent, I, God knows, $2 billion, I don't know what it costs to put together a stadium, but I've spent that amount of money on putting together a stadium, and I want my fans to recognize it as a Warrior Stadium, I'm not putting people who are no longer interested in playing on my team in front of it. I'm not. Yeah, I just, I think if you are one of the few statue makers out there, you get ready. <laughs> get ready because Joe Lakeup is coming and he's got a five piece ready for you because well, he's doing the Hamptons five and it's just <laughs> I started off with four and it's just I, I feel like I'm going to see a statue of Iggy I think the Hamptons five is going to be in front of Chase Center somewhere around Thrive City at some point this is a surprise answer, but I'm actually one of the preeminent statue makers <laughs> in all of the world, and I'm telling you right now, Lakeup, I know you listen, I'm not making those five statues. <laughs> you should know that now. Let's move on, boys. California is home to perhaps the most dominant trio of professional basketball teams any state has ever housed, ever, right? We all know the Clippers apparently are the odds-on favorite to win the title. We all know LeBron James and Anthony Davis is uh, behind the Los Angeles Lakers, and clearly the Warriors have at least a dark horse shot. So my question to you is, which of the California trio, and we'll include Sacto, it's kind of scandalous that I didn't didn't throw them in there. Okay, young team, up and coming. They have no shot at winning the title. Of the California, uh, of the four California teams out there, which of the four will win a title first? We assume everybody's healthy. Well, I mean, just just assume that the year plays out as it is. You know, I mean, the that risk of injury is going to be true for everybody. Um, if that means more for Anthony Davis and it means for other people, I want you to consider that, right? So, just as this these teams are currently constructed, who is going to win a title first? Clippers. Yeah, that's that is the safe answer. That's the correct answer. The only reason it wouldn't be is. No, I mean, that the Warriors have more postseason acumen? No, I mean, Kawhi and, and Paul George right. both know what they're doing. You know why I think it's not the Clippers? It's the contracts they've signed. 
Um, they mm. each signed two-year deals, which right. is going to put a unbelievable amount of pressure on that team should they not win a championship this year. You know, and there's a real good chance they won't because of what we've already said. You kind of have to be there and figure out your roles and all of that stuff. And so if they go into the 21 or the 2021 season knowing championship or bust, we're going to lose both of these dudes, there's going to be an unnecessary amount of pressure. I think that pushes them in the wrong direction. Only for complete homer purposes, I can't do it. I was going to say Golden State first. I can't do it. I think it's the Clippers as well. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the Clippers as well. Um, I will change the question and give you a homer answer in a second. But to explain the Clippers stuff, the reason I think they win the first title is not because of Paul George. It's not because of Kawhi Leonard. It's because of Jerry West. Um, should they go through this year and be unsuccessful? I think it'll be because they are missing something very specific. And if you had to handpick one person on earth to both recognize what specific thing is missing and then reach out and grab it, I would pick Jerry West, and that's exactly who they have on the roster. Let's get to optimistic. Here's the next question. Who will win more titles in the state of California over the next 10 years? Warriors for me. And there's not a whole lot of question, to be perfectly honest. The Warriors have a ton of talent. We have been somewhat distracted by the idea that they've lost KD, but the simple fact of the matter is that they have at least four players who are absolutely objectively verified as being capable of playing as All-Stars, mm -hmm. and they have Chase Center, the MX black card that will let them go after any player they want at any point for any cost. So with those, like, practical realities this isn't me being a homer this is what's happening this is real with those kind of things at their disposal yeah i think over 10 years the warriors win more titles than either the clippers the lakers and we'll include them just for sake of argument sacto hmm. i think it's tough i think it's between the clippers and warriors the the reason why i think the clippers are in the conversation is because of jerry west and because of lawrence frank and because of Doc Rivers like I think that group is underappreciated for what they're doing there I mean they took they traded their best player Tobias Harris and still made the playoffs which they had no business doing yep. um, so I think the culture they're setting up there they're getting a new arena they're going to have their own identity outside of the Lakers like I think it, all signs are pointing to them actually having that culture that we had and you know Jerry West has said like this is the best one I've been around so I think it's going to be close I would still give the edge to the Warriors but players now don't care about you know the owner having an unlimited you know an, you know black card like Steve Ballmer can outspend Joe Lacob so I think we lose in that space or if that's the criteria I think that it becomes what does your organization represent and what do you give me as a player in terms of playing with my friends, having the right culture around me and being in a city I love? I'm not willing to immediately concede that Bomber can outspend Lakeup. It has nothing to do with their own personal fortunes. I understand what Microsoft is. I know who Bomber is. He's the giant fat guy who screams and I constantly hate him on the sidelines. <laughs> so I, I know who you're talking about. But I, I the, the Staples Center's um, 
proceeds, I would imagine, are split in half, right? I mean, like literally the type of revenue generated by these two teams outside of their personal benefits, you know, outside of what Microsoft would give to Bomber and outside of what Lakeup could earn as an angel investor, I think really favors the Warriors. I'm not ready to concede they can spend as much. I don't know, though. I mean, you... And Bomber comes in and put okay. Just to finish it, the whole idea of a five thousand dollar check coming in a five hundred thousand dollar envelope, right? So, and and here's what I mean by that: um, when Pokerov was the owner of the Nets, um, Kirilenko, who is the only Russian player in the league, signed for them for way less money than he could have gotten anywhere else. And the idea was that they gave him official money because they that has to go into the salary cap, and then because of who Pokerov was, gave him all these opportunities off the floor to make. Millions and millions and millions more. Lakeb, as an investor here in Silicon Valley, specifically this area here, is in in a, in a really unique position to offer these guys more five thousand dollar envelopes than any owner anywhere ever. Yeah, but the difference in that amount with Steve Ballmer, who is behind Microsoft, isn't a Grand Canyon. Could be. Difference. I mean, Bomber can't give them opportunities to invest in Microsoft. That's insider training. You know, I mean, like literally what Lakeup does is identify brand new companies and then give them angel investments to make them incredible investment opportunities for new investors. If he can provide those new investment opportunities to Warriors players specifically, we are talking eight figures extra. Eight figures. I just think the point that Maxine made last podcast is why I don't agree with that. You like, remember his points from last podcast, but you couldn't come up with three goddamn questions exactly. when we asked you. I mean, exactly. unbelievable, man. You remember that? You're spending time memorizing Maxime's takes as opposed to answering the three goddamn things. Damn, they're that good. Yeah, I understood what he meant. There wasn't like some loss in communication, but oh, I appreciate after it. After he said it, I was like, he should be the host. Yeah, yeah, um. Fair enough. After I asked you the question, I thought to myself, he's not going to come up with anything. Um, but his point being that Lakeup wasn't willing to spend to keep some of the key pieces that made the Warriors who they were around. Like we lost, you know, the trainer Chelsea. We lost Jerry West. And it's, you know, talked about, I don't know what the real reasons were, but it's talked about that it was a money issue. It wasn't a money issue. It wasn't a money issue. I mean, we will never know. These are all questions for Joe Lacob. But there is nothing to suggest that it would be a money issue because all he has done is made money hand over fist here. Well, if no, we- I, think, I think there is... I can't substantiate it with whatever he says. You've created this. You need to know that you've created this sense of confidence. And that is why we're going to get a very definitive take right now, but go ahead drop your amazing take. (laughs) I have heard that he is willing to spend whatever it takes on the court, but that the front office, he's a little bit skimpy on. Right. And he's like underpaying executives. And I, and, and actually I'm not super surprised by that. Right. He's known to have libertarian tendencies and, and, and that sort of an economic viewpoint is one of trying to save money wherever you can. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to spend money on players because those are the people that are making you the most money, but it's the little things behind the scenes of like, yeah, we could get somebody that's as good. Um, and then it turns out that they're not. My fear would be it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with sustained success and the bloated ego that can come from something like that. I have, I, I do not agree. I do not agree in any way, shape, or form that the reason that West or that Chelsea Lane or anybody else left was because Laker was unwilling to come out of pocket. I don't agree with that. He, he has been willing to spend money on everything. He spent 
what seemed to be seven figures on introducing Chase Center with Cirque du Soleil. You know, like that money doesn't necessarily matter. But what may be happening, and, and it fits right into this conversation, is that after success, he no longer thinks he needs a whole lot of outside opinions in the front office. Mm. That would be a danger, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Jerry West is on record saying, I've never been around an organization like this. And the follow-up, and that was to the Clippers, and the follow-up to that had to do with the front office. It didn't say specifically about paying them, but I think it you could infer that. And I just, I don't know, that, that would be my, the reason why I think the Clippers, back to the original question, are neck and neck with the Warriors, because I could see Balmer being the new Mark Cuban of passionate owners and also putting the dollars behind it in a way that Cuban does too, but in a different market and with a team that, you know, and Jerry West. One of the great things about this sport and this conversation is that we'll find out. Mm-hmm. We will find yeah, out. Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of... We have found out. Ethan Strauss reported, well, she wanted more money than they were willing to pay her. That's how that went. This is Chelsea Lane. Chelsea Lane, right. yeah. And that's because that's what I was thinking about. It's like I totally buy it um, if you're talking about front offices that are making moves on behalf of GMs. Like, what, uh, who's the owner of the Suns? Um, so to be perfectly Sarver. clear, yeah, Chelsea Lane got... is the popped collar trainer whom we lost right. in the long term. It is not Jerry West. It is not a member of the front office. Yeah. But it is an illustration, perhaps. And she went to Atlanta. Player. She she didn't like retire. To she went a, to a right, different to take the sort position. of like a larger paying yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that those are the key moments, right? I mean, I can see. Thank you, Robert Sarver for the Suns is notorious for saying, "I know what's best," because he had some. He he fell into a good situation when he bought the team. Let, let me make this crystal clear and ask you guys a question. You guys are saying that one of the reasons the Warriors will be limited in their ability to win a title is because Joe Lacob will not come out of pocket for certain expenses? Because I think that is ludicrous. For front office expenses. He probably, he hopefully learned the lesson. I mean, the half of the team broke down. Huh? You know, like, do they still break down if Chelsea's there? Probably, no, but you know, you know. So give me a yes or no. Do you think going forward this team will be held back because Joe Lacob is not willing to spend money on whatever department needs it? No, I don't think they'll be held back, but I think the approach that he'll use at times is different than what a bomber would use. Yep. And that slight difference of not being willing to go all in on the entirety of the organization like Balmer sounds like he is would be the difference. Give us a final answer. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think I agree with Marcus. I think, you know, there is, you can only speculate at this point, but we had really, really, really good health under Chelsea Lane. And I think there will always be a what if around Clay and KD in terms of when they came, you know, what, what happened if she was on our team instead of Ralph Wall. I mean, so you think they'll be held back by Joe Lacob's checkbook? It. I mean, it's an FU question. I felt very good about it. No, it's 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 a good question, right? Because I'm thinking about the Clippers are building a new stadium, right? So when you're talking about the comparison with Chase, but I, I do think that um, Joe Legup really cares about this team. He really loves this team. He sees it as a point of pride, not just an investment. Um, and when it comes to a place where he's starting to see a return on that investment, he's going to be willing to put more in. Yeah, it's I, not checkbook. Checkbook, no, that's not the right 
thing. It's his mindset, his approach. It's his, it's his competitive spirit. There you go. What yeah. you guys are talking about is after they won championships, he started spending less money. He started thinking they already had the equation solved. So he focused only on the portions of that equation that he thought he needed to control and let the other ones leave. Right. If what you guys are now talking about, the, the picture you guys are painting is the Warriors are no longer the dominant bullies on the block. They're no longer the person who everybody, Vegas, everyone assumes is going to win. When that happens, you know what I think is going to happen? Joe Lacob starts spending more money than anybody yeah, yeah. because that's who the hell he is. It's mentality. So if we're talking about going forward, which is what this question is, I am not concerned one iota on, on his ability and his willingness to open up the checkbook. But great news. We'll find out together. You know, yeah. that's what's awesome about these things. We'll see what happens, who he pays, who he doesn't. How many championships they have? Let's move on. And well, it's not my checkbooks too, so it's pretty easy to. Well, spend. Kind of is, yeah. kind of is. You're a season ticket holder. It is kind of it, you know we we are helping add the numbers behind that, but that's my a discussion. season ticket price does not factor enough into <laughs> those decisions we were For just now. making. Yeah, f yourself. My season ticket price felt like it. Like I I feel like I just paid all of Steph Curry's career. But again, I digress. Here's my next question: How many playoff games will the Warriors play? in the 2020 season, all right? Now, to give you guys a little bit of structure or at least time to think it out, here's my answer. I think they are going to play in 16. I think they're going to shock someone in the first round. Then they'll be the sixth seed. Then they'll beat the third seed, probably Houston. I think that'll take them six games. I think when they take over the third seed, because that's what that'll mean, right? If they beat them as the sixth seed, they will then have an easy time in the second round. I think they'll beat them in five games. And then they will unfortunately be a little bit over their head, be in the Western Conference Finals and get beaten in five. So six plus five plus five, 16. What do you guys got? Nice. I'm going to go 11. I think they go out in the second round. Right, so they fit, they win the first. Um, sorry, no, excuse me, excuse me, I did my math wrong there. Oh no, no, that's right. Yeah, I think the first round in six, the second round in five. Okay. Yep. So surprise somebody, and then they're over their head. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's it's sort of unfair to call it a surprise, right? Because I think ultimately um, Clay's going to come back midseason, and even though they're a lower seed, people are going to know that they're pretty dangerous. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go 19. Nice. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they get healthy. I think in the first round, I don't think they play Houston. I think Houston gets the one seed. Um, and when we, do, one. when we do that with Maddie Stats, my, my prediction is it's Houston-Philly for the finals. But we'll save that for the next pod. Um, so I think they it takes seven for the first round. Write that down, Matty Stats. He's wrong. Yeah. Write it down. Houston Philly with Houston winning. Um, I think it's seven for the first round, six for the second round, and then they lose in six in the Western Conference Finals. Who leads the team in rebounds? I go Willie Kleinstein. Yeah. He's not a big rebounder, he's though. Nope, he's not. And he is going to have to redefine who he is. I, Willie Cauley-Stein does not know who he is in the NBA. Hopefully. All right, let me, let me put it that way. If he does know who he is in the NBA, then this whole partnership is not going to work out. It's going to flame out pretty quick, and we're not going to see him in three years. I think he hasn't been given the opportunity to really figure out who he could be. I think he's a huge upside JaVale McGee. And because of that, with the time and opportunity he'll have here, I'm going him. 
I'm going Draymond. <clears throat> so we're we're calling Collie Stein our our starter, right? Probably, probably, because then Looney comes off the bench. Uh-huh. So I'm actually gonna say Looney. I think he's. I would not be surprised if that dude comes a level up from this season. He had a, an excellent season last year. He's on a pretty nice contract right now for three years. I think he has every incentive now to come out and just get a lot stronger. And I think he's going up against weaker competition, not being a starter, so I can see him leading the team in rebounds. He also has a really interesting combination, something that, generally speaking, if you can add it to talent, does nothing but add to success, and that combination is opportunity and motivation. So, like, we knew he'd have opportunity, right? Like, everybody else left, he re-signs. The motivation is after he re-signed, they pick up Willie Cauley-Stein. And so now he needs to show the Warriors and everybody else, nope, I am the starter here. And I can see that leading to really good things. Um, what happens first, gentlemen? All right, here are your options. Steve Kerr breaks a clipboard. Draymond Green gets thrown out of a game. Clay returns from injury. Draymond gets thrown out of a game. It's one of those two. It's either him or Kerr. And the reason I think that is because it's a calculation on both of their parts to motivate the younger players. That's interesting. I'll, um, s- I'll say Clay. You'll say Clay? I'll say Clay. I, I, I think next year, no one will ever say this. We will never pick it up. I think the pressure's off next year during the regular season. I yeah, really yeah. do. I think that like this, this unbelievable, nasty pressure of you better win a championship is finally off of them. They get to enjoy a season for the first time in a long time. And because of that, I don't see Kerr going bananas. Yeah. I don't see Draymond locking in as an asshole to everybody. And I see them kind of floating. I'm the floating. That's the wrong word. But I, I don't see them going all in in the beginning. And I think that Clay returns before this thing ratchets up. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me go last. I'm going to actually agree with that. And the reasoning is... It's weird because you've already answered, but I mean, go ahead. I saw there were two that were interesting. Um, I think that there's a a malaise that hits, right, around April-ish. And that's where you need that little kick in the pants. And I think that Clay will be back by then. Here's an interesting one. What warrior or what member of the organization, I'll open it up, is most important to the Warriors' success next year who is not named Steph... Clay or Draymond? I'll go first so you guys can think about it. It's kind of a weird answer, but one I stick by, Steve Kerr. Um, I, I have announced, I have backed, I believe Steve Kerr to be a historically great coach. His record certainly suggests it, but the, the kickback, right, is the talent. You know, maybe I could have a historic record if I was talented, or I'm sorry, if I was coaching these talented guys, but next year is going to require a reset of this system. They're going to have to figure out a way that D'Lo is contributing. They're going to figure out who Willie College Sign is, all of that. And if it's going to be successful, and I think there's talent there, if it's going to be successful, it's going to be the coaching staff, man. And we're going to have to figure out who the hell Steve Kerr is. And I should say, let me clarify, when I say Steve Kerr, really it's coaching staff. That includes Adams, that that includes everybody. Kerr seems to be the guy who smooths over the locker room. That will be remarkably important. But the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, they're all going to have to do something. That's how I put it on. Nice. I'm going to go. D'Angelo, and it seems a little bit of a cop-out, but I just think he will be viewed as the replacement of KD and how he fits into the flow of that offense is going to be make or break. Like, we're not going to be a top 10 defensive team, so we're going to have to outscore people, and his buying into a free-flowing 
keep the ball moving system and you know we're gonna see if last year was just a fluke or if he really is you know that good of a player yeah, that's a really good answer, and because this isn't one of the ones that Maddie's stats can actually quantify, uh, I'm going to just toss in something um, a little bit against the grain, because, I mean, that's a good answer. Um, I think uh, Smiley, Alan Smilajic, is actually... Um, just a Smiley tech? Yeah, it's another yeah, Smiley tech. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with a heater Fantastic. every single week yeah, from here right. on out. He's Smiley's the most important Warriors. <laughs> the most important dude to the Warriors' success is... Smiley. Listen, yes, because he is representative of the next era of light years, right? He has the potential to be a really, really, really. God damn it, Marcus! This is our host. This is who you're talking about. I mean, he's saying Smiley's the most important dude. Will you tell him that that's wrong? Would you have said that about Jokic three years ago? Oh wow! Are you saying Smiley's going to become Jokic in three years? No. <laughs> I mean, Portland was like, who do we? Who would we rather have? Nurkic or Jokic? And they're like, definitely Nurkic. And look what happened. Yeah, straight up. Marcus and I are going to, we get each other. We're going to start a podcast. I'm sorry. I'm listening to the podcast. (laughs) I understand what's happening. I've decided not to follow it up because I realize I'm surrounded by enemies. This is unbelievable. Go ahead. Pick up your. Smiley's going to get a statue too, I think. (laughs) He's the first one. I can't believe that that wasn't your response. I I hated the smiley takes last week's, but Whoa. go ahead. I mean, just Whoa. go ahead. You keep dropping them. When he becomes fan favorite, everybody's going to be coming at your throat, Bram. Exactly. <laughs> no, look, I mean, I, 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 I think the Warriors really believe in him, and that is a representation of their belief in their ability to find diamonds in the rough. And I think if he comes out... Uh, as a, qu- a quality player at the level that they're hoping he is, it will be a la Draymond Green. Um, and I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to be Defensive Player of the Year, um, but you know he could have the potential to be an All-Star someday. And if that kind of level pans out for somebody that was picked deep into the second round, I think that speaks volumes for what our front office is capable of understanding. Sure. I mean, I, I will concede that if um, Alex becomes the type of player who gets the kind of attention that you were expecting. If he if he bolts from G League, not all-star, to actual rotation player, then we will all love him and it will be remarkably important. There, there's no other way that we can look at it. I got one question, throw it off. Sure. Um, who will have the longest NBA career? Smiley, Jordan Poole, or Eric Paschal? Wow. Doesn't have to be best. Yeah. Let just the record the reflect. I am looking long and hard at Maxine because he is apparently Mrs. Smiley. So go ahead, man. <laughs> what do you got? Shoot. Uh, I mean, when we're talking about longest career, I think for for bigs like that, right? They sort of end up uh, wearing down a little bit faster, right? And I don't want to jinx anybody, and I really hope that they have extensive careers, but there's a history of that. So I'm going to say Jordan Poole, um, just because he feels like the person that has the most uh, stability. That plays the, like, Smiley is, is a little bit crazy on the court. Uh, so. It's a complete guess. Complete guess. Um, it's the personality that is sticking out to me. I go pull. He's got a swagger that the other two do not. Yeah. He's got a feel for the moment that we saw during the summer league and because of that you know that that's what i'd bank on but we you know who knows we haven't really been able to see these guys in any real nba games and until we see them against real nba competition it's an impossible answer yeah that's the kind of questions i like to ask (laughs) impossible (laughs) answer questions here's a another impossible answer question what gentleman is the highest amount a 
ticket at Chase Center will be sold for over the next 10 years? Mm. Can't do we? Do you know Wait, what the, the current current record is? is? Yeah. I don't. Um, having looked at some of the secondary prices, I know some of them stretching, you know, 50, 60K. They were probably higher, but I, I think that that has at least been established. Oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, I'll go first. I'll tell you. I think it's going to be $200,000. You know what? I'll go a little bit less. I'll say 125000 Here's why. All right. I do believe the Warriors are going to get back into the upper echelon. I think they've got another finals in their life. Silicon Valley, the San Francisco Bay Area, has become unnecessarily stacked with wealthy people to the point that we have people here who would like to overpay just so they could tell other people, here's what I paid for a ticket. Mm -hmm. Can I see a finals appearance center court at Chase where some CEO douchebag Silicon Valley is willing to come out at 125K so he could tell his boys, even though he never cared about hoop, that, yep, I paid six figures for a ticket? Yes, I can. 125. The Mercury News said that the record is $101,000 oh, paid by <laughs> Warriors fans two seats at the finals. Okay, there you go. So, so yeah. 50000 basically a pop. Yeah, no, there you go. Yeah. That, that, which makes Spot. me feel very good. Yes. 125 Spot. is what I say. I'm going to go a little lower. I think it'll cap out at about... 90. Which, by the way, is insane. Insane. And we're talking like really good yearly salary. Yes. You know what I mean? Like real, like real money. Life-changing money. Yeah, but I, I think the Warriors put together a crazy team again. You know, they get a Giannis or somebody like that in. And then they're playing against another team that's stacked with stars. And, you know, the, the money just continues to go up. So I could see it being... 180 total. I'm going to go 90 per seat. 180 total. Speak Giannis and Sentakubo on the Warriors into existence. <laughs> oh, I he heard that. In. Giannis, you heard that. So I, I was thinking about um, Jerry Buss when he bought the Lakers and turned it into Showtime and how he went about adding in waiters to write the front row seats. And he, he made it like a, a, a perk. That was in addition to watching the game, you got all of this other stuff. I would not be surprised with the innovation in Silicon Valley if you get to have all of these additional things, right? Maybe the top seats, you get like, this is ludicrous, but you get to land your helicopter on the top of Chase Center before going in, right? <laughs> so I think with, with all of the additional incentives that you could add in, um, I could easily see it. I'm going to say 150. Here's an easy one, gentlemen. Uh, it required me to do a little bit of research. I always resent that, but it is what it is. The question is as follows. What would the Warriors' records be after the first 10 games? The research was their first 10 opponents. Here they are. They open up against the Clippers. The men play OKC, New Orleans, Phoenix, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Minnesota, OKC, Utah. I think, and this has nothing to do with actually considering the individual opponents, because it's impossible to have you guys actually synthesize those 10 as we go through it. I think they're going to be sub 500. Um, it's not because I think that they are lacking talent, and it's not because I think they're going to lack success as they go into next year. It's going to be because of what we've kind of been dancing around. This is a new team. They don't know how it necessarily works, and it's going to take a little bit to figure it out. And so I'll, I'll say, you know, six and four, and I think it's going to include both surprise wins. It wouldn't surprise me if we beat the Clips, you know, opening night, and surprise losses. It wouldn't surprise me if we lost to Phoenix, you know, five games in. I think these things are going to happen. So to put a finer point on it, I'll say six and four. 
Is six and four sub five hundred? So six losses, four wins. No, no, I, I, I will ultimately edge on the uh, on the behalf of optimism. Oh, okay. And I will oh, say okay. that they win more than lose, but they're a route of five hundred team. Because I would say you're a terrible at math if you think <laughs> That's six and four is accurate. sub five hundred. That is factually accurate, but I feel like I hedged it by saying I'll put a finer point on it than actually gave you a record. And we all know wins go before losses. I don't need to hear crap from you. This should have been spent thinking. This energy should have been spent before we came in here today. But go ahead. I agreed with you when you said sub 500, which is why I was like, oh, good take. Uh, I think four and six. I think they they stumble out of the gates. They're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to fit the new pieces in. Not everybody's going to know where to go and to share the ball the way that they are supposed to with three weeks of practice. So I think they, they stumble four and six. Yeah, I was going to say 4-6, and six too, and, and I will stick with that. I think Kerr is known, especially early on, for playing with rotations. I think he's going to be more likely to do that with a roster that is this new. Uh, and that's just going to lead to losses, and I think that's going to be okay. I don't think anybody's going to be freaking out on the team. I think people will be freaking out off the team, I'll tell you what. What player who is currently completely unknown by casual Warrior fans will become a fan favorite by the end of the year? I mean, that's easy. It's smiling. Yeah, I mean, I was counting the seconds until you at least fired that off. I'll go Willie Cauley-Stein on my side. I think this kid, and I've already made this analogy, but I'll double down on it now, is JaVale McGee, but with a much higher upside. And because of his effort, because of his athleticism, and because of the style of his game, we're going to see a lot of scoring on alley-oops. We're going to see a lot of highlight blocks, those kind of things. I can see us going all in. And hopefully, he'll remind us that he was, in fact, a top 10 pick when he was selected by uh, the Kings at number six. So I'll pick him. Um, I'll pick somebody different. I think Stein is a good pick. Um, But I'll go Jordan Poole. I think to your earlier point, his his swagger and you know his his confidence in himself will just you know work really well in this system, and I think he will just let it fly from three. And if he gets hot, you know he went to Michigan and had a good coach and beeline, so I, I think he'll I think he'll surprise some Warriors fans. Do you guys think? And let me put this a different way. Draymond Green was a different player in the playoffs last year. He loses 16 pounds, he is virtually unstoppable, and he starts becoming that triple-double threat that we not only have seen, but we expect, right? I mean, it's why he earned the $100 million contract that he earned. So here's my question. Will we see playoff Draymond throughout to the regular season next year? Yes. Why? Uh, Because Clay is not going to be there. Draymond is seeing himself as one of the premier leaders at this point. He's incredibly smart, and you don't have Iguodala. He's one of the oldest players. Uh, I think he's going to come out to try to show some of the young players what it means to be a part of a winning franchise like the Warriors, Um, and he's going to set that intention. I wouldn't even be surprised if he comes out trying to go for Depoy. I think he has um, a fire lit under his ass in a way that we haven't seen in a little bit. A distinction of regular season and playoff season player, right? Number Whatever it is. Regular season Draymond, playoff uh, season Draymond. Regular season KD, playoff KD, whatever it is, envisions a team that is favored to win the championship. There's, there's one reason why somebody would half-ass it while they're going through the first 82 games. It's because they want to save themselves. This year, this team is not dedicated to winning a championship, or at least is not expected to. So because of that, we'll see playoff Draymond the whole way through. 
what is he saving himself for? You know, we, we've got to see him exercise whom he is based on this contract right from the jump and all the way through. It just is what it is. We're going to need him. So, yeah, I, I'll go play off the round. I don't think so. I think, and it's not because he secured the bag and he got his contract already. I think it's just because the season is so long and they still went through a long season last year mm. that they're still in recovery mode. They're, this is their mulligan season. It's, you know, they're, they're playing with house money on this. So I don't think he will because he doesn't need to. There's no expectations. Anything he does, they're like, good sure. job, because you weren't supposed to do that anyway. And this fits into what Monty Poole was talking about with us last week. If you have any concerns about Draymond, it's the minutes he's already put on in his career, his ability to play the five, you know, and exactly. throughout. What Monty said is we're not going to see that death lineup next year. You're not going to want to put those kind of minutes on his body. And if that is the mentality, you may not want him killing himself through a regular season that's not going to lead to a title, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a nice take. I, I like that take, Marcus. Well, I feel. Did you like my my summation of it oh, too? I also or, love that brand. Well, I don't feel like that's what you said. I mean, that's not what you said at all. Which is which is kind of rude, but is what it is. Gentlemen, are you guys happy that Toronto has no shot at returning to the finals? I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, like I am, I am happy. I I would like to be the kind of personality who's mature enough to be like, oh, I haven't even looked at Toronto, and I don't care. I'm not. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not. I am very happy that they have no chance, and if I'm talking crap for no reason very happy that i will probably never have to care about fred van vliet again in my life but you guys you know what do you think are they do you even think about them anymore are you happy that they're gone where do you stand definitely happy that they're gone i mean they were annoying and them just lifting the canadian flag in our stadium every time was just (laughs) annoying but um i don't think they're gonna drop off that far i think they'll be a four seed in the east wow five seed because of how weak the east is or because of how talented they are how talented they are i mean when Kawhi sat a lot of games last year you know he didn't play in any back-to-backs and he sat and they still were one i mean they blew us off the floor with no Kawhi that first game so i think losing uh danny green hurts but they still have a nice nucleus they still have gasol they still have lowry they still have van vliet they still have siakam they still have a no known be whatever his name is coming back um you know so they're gonna be all right i think they're gonna be a little more dangerous but obviously not a title contender so remember when i said one of the questions that i would ask adam silver is how many countries have nba teams i would have been stoked if that answer was two completely forgot canada was even in the nba anymore <laughs> the one thing i know for sure is that marcus remembers you saying that because he memorizes all of your takes i mean the actual answer to your question i don't know but i i think if we check his diary he has been writing down as far as bullet points everything you've said so we have that 100 percent accurately um let me ask you this it'll be my final prediction question all right and it is up to you whether or not you actually want to give it to me who will win the title next year. Now, here's why I say it's a choice. I've announced all of this is objective stats. Maddie Stats is going to look back on this. If you want to give me your answer now, I'm going to give a little carrot at the end of the stick. We'll count it as two right answers, not one. All right? But you don't have to give me your answer now. We can wait. I'm sure that we will revisit all of these predictions. All right? So, who, gentlemen, will win the title next year? You can either defer or give me your response. I'll go first. Houston. Yeah, I heard you kind of suggesting that earlier. And, and you are positive of that? 
I'm not positive. It doesn't make me feel as confident that PJ Tucker is like, I need an extension now, even though you have two years left on your contract and you're 34. But um, I think it's the perfect storm for them. I think a motivated Russell Westbrook is still severely underrated as a player. I mean, this guy, when he wanted to, you know, his good friend dies, Nipsey Hussle, you know, from LA, if you're not familiar, he, he died and, you know, he's part of a, a gang there and, you know, the gang is associated with the number 60. So Russell Westbrook was like, I'm going to go get 20, 20 and 20 as a kind of a shout out to my, my friend who I lost. He went into an NBA game, said, I'm going to get 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists, and just did it just because. So I think the fact that he is going to be motivated, he got traded, he needs to prove that he can handle the spotlight and play with James Harden, it's just a dangerous, dangerous combination, especially for the playoffs. So if he doesn't shoot 10 uncontested out-of-pocket threes every game, (laughs) and he just gives the ball to James Harden, I think... They are dangerous, and I think it's their year to kind of fly under the radar. Everybody else made all these moves, and they're just going to sneak along and get in there. And um, I think they'll make a lot of noise, and we won't be there to to knock them out per usual. I'm going to defer my take, but I will disagree with yours just because I feel like uh, disagreeing with you. Um, The one thing that requires 2020 and 20 is an unabated path to the ball constantly. What he has been used to everywhere since UCLA is he comes into the game and dictates to everyone around him, here's what's going to happen, and here's how you're going to help me. That is not true in Houston. Not. You know, we just recently heard from Daryl Morey, he thinks James Harden is a better scorer than Michael Jordan. He went on record to tell us the greatest scorer of all time can't hold a candle to the gentleman who's currently playing shooting guard to them. If they really want to capitalize on who Russell Westbrook is, they cannot, in, in consecutive sentences, say James Harden can do anything he wants and Russell Westbrook is capable of a 20-20-20 anytime they want it. There's going to have to be some give. They can't all be take. But it's, it, that's 48 minutes night in and night out of just unrelenting pressure. Yeah. I mean, the way they dealt with it when they were on the first team, the first time they were together, and, and I understand it's totally different. James Harden came off the bench, and that's how they did it. Yeah, but he was a lot younger. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. But the idea of what you are telling me is his sheer force of will is why you think they will win a championship. That force of will requires two basketballs on this team, on this team. They could figure it out. They could. But there's certainly a counter argument to what you're saying. But we said it required two basketballs with Chris Paul, and they were a Chris Paul hamstring away from beating us. I don't agree with that. Did they win a championship? No. Would they have? If they had two basketballs? Maybe. But I, what I can tell you unquestionably is that all of those concerns, everyone who said that they wouldn't win a championship, were right. Yeah. We're right. There's not, there's, that is an objective fact. Chris Paul is off the team, and they did not win a title with him. Houston. <laughs> what do you got? Do you want Maddie to drop stats. an answer? You heard it. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got all sorts of opinions on that whole conversation. I do think that the two of them together... Marcus, get out your about, notes. You're going to want to take all these down. Talk- <laughs> Uh, if we're going to talk about like 48 minutes of unrelenting pressure, I think that is a classic reason that James Harden continues to flame out, although he had a pretty nice postseason last year. 
Um, I could see them both flaming out really hard by working too hard during the regular season. I don't think this is their year for the same reason that I don't think the Warriors have it this year. There's just too many moving pieces to fit together. Do you have a title call? So you, you are taking my cop out, right? <clears throat> what I did is as opposed to actually giving you a title answer, I just so, attacked Marcus. Yeah, no, 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 fair enough. I'm, and so, no, I'm going to defer. However, I will say, and I know this doesn't give me two points or anything, I, I will take the one that I'm saying it comes out of the East. I just haven't decided which Eastern Conference team yet. Look around the league. You got anything? I do. So before we jump into it, a quick precursor. Look around the league is or look around the league is remarkably simple. Marcus has researched three stories from around the NBA. Is going to give all three of us uh, those stories, and then we will vote on which one we actually want to focus on. One of the things that makes me excited about this week's episode of Look Around the League, we have been playing around with trying to come up with a, a theme song for this segment. Maxime is our master of all sound, has actually come up with something, in fact, composed something. Maxime, you got something for us? Yeah, here it is. I would love to have some music for Look Around the League. I mean, even if it's just a scene, it was like, Look Around the League. <laughs> Oh, so fantastic. <laughs> A plus. I'm not sure where you pulled that sound from, but it is amazing. I won't sing it a song uh, again now, but we will absolutely use that as we go forward. I got to say, I was nervous about playing that because I don't want to lose you as a host, and I feel like you're about to get scooped up by the, the San Francisco Boys Choir. <laughs> I could at any point, and we all know that should that happen, you can step in capably as our host. <laughs> Marcus, give us three stories. I'm worried about losing listeners as soon as they hear that. <laughs> Don't you make me sing it again. <laughs> Jeez, sorry, everybody out there. Um, all right, look around the league. First story. Former NBA player Royce White says that Carmelo Anthony is being blackballed by the NBA. And the fact that the Lakers signed Jared Dudley instead of LeBron calling in, saying the word, and signing his banana boat buddy is proof that he's being blackballed. Got it. Oh. Uh, Who is asking one. Royce White questions? Yeah. <laughs> Royce White is chiming yeah, in. That should be the second question. <laughs> Who is asking Royce White questions? <laughs> Number two, also out of Lakerland, uh, after DeMarcus got hurt, they are so desperate for a big man, they're reportedly working out Joe Kim Noah, Dwight Howard, and... Mo Buckets. <laughs> Mo Buckets might come back in a Lakers uniform. <laughs> Has the same person who talked to Royce White talk to uh, <laughs> the weird mole on, <laughs> on Mo Spade's head to see how he thinks about that? Or Absolutely. No? Yeah. Um, and third, final story. Devin Booker was playing in a pickup game the other day and with some other NBA players, and he got double teamed, and he did not take it well. And it turned into a social media firestorm with everybody chiming in on if it's right to double team somebody. See who, who? And yes, who who chimed in? Other than our boy KD. Is it well, you see who, who he responded to? He, he responded <laughs> to Noah. no another friend of the podcast, Brian O'Ringer. The, the, oh. per, the person who commented about the double team was our scout, and the person who responded to him was KD. Um, and so I. Because of that, because of the connection with the podcast, I will vote the third one. And in fact, I will admit to you guys when I was putting together today's outline, I was going to ask as a throwaway, have you ever doubled anybody in a pickup game? So that would be uh, that would be my vote. Nice. Yeah, same, same. And I brought up, I think Joakim Noah was in that pickup game, and he was the one that Call was like, double. yeah. yeah. 
We so, it and justified it. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you can't do that. He said, yes, we can. Right. So, <laughs> so there you go. And to, to add to the story, one of the things that was commented on in social media, so um, it goes public. Everybody says you should not be doubling in a pickup game. Um, Katie joins in, and then Andre answers and said immediately after the All-Star break, me and Draymond were doubling KD because we wanted to win the game in a practice. And KD came out and said, you know, F you, something along those lines, um, right. that I didn't like it. So I will say I've, I've been playing pickup basketball for the better part of three decades. I don't think I've ever double teamed anybody. I don't think that has ever happened. Um, when somebody gets hot in that, I've certainly double teamed somebody in an, in an actual game. When I was playing in games that mattered where they were keeping stats, we had to shut them down. But there's this kind of unspoken rule, at least in the games I have played in, that there won't be a double in a uh, in a pickup setting. So I will back Devon Booker. It's a word, Devin Booker. That's a weird move. No, but here's the thing. Okay, I totally agree with you on the grounds that you laid out. Here's the thing does not suggest you totally agree with me, but go ahead. <laughs> I do. <laughs> However, Devin Booker said, I'm trying to practice skills for the season. What are you guys doing double teaming me? Okay. And that's fine, now, generally speaking. Now wait, let me add this, because this is it fits right into what Brian Oringer was saying. What he was saying was, if you want to work on a skill for the season, one of the main ones you should work on is double teamed. You are going to be double teamed every time you touch that rock in Phoenix. Like, that's what's up, dude. They don't have another score. So, really, if you want to develop a skill set, this is the one you should be working and on. And that's precisely why I think that Devin Booker is in the wrong here. <laughs> is that I, like, yes, I agree with you in general in a pickup game. That shouldn't be something that you're expecting. But Devin Booker loses the right to use that as an argument for not taking a double team when he's trying to shoot. When he then says that the reason that he doesn't want the double team is because he's trying to practice skills for the regular season. No, oh, f that you're, you're gonna be double teamed all the time That's bro it. like you can't just sit there in the corner trying to shoot a three and then complain that clearly means that you don't know how to handle a double team and you should be practicing that yeah i agree i i don't think i think you can double team i don't think there are any unwritten rules on pickup league defensive schemes. I mean, I think there's unwritten rules for other stuff, but I don't think that's one of them. I think if you get double teamed in a pickup game, and this wasn't like at the Y, like this, like Siakam was next to him and there's, there's, Noah was on the floor. It's like so they're real rules. players. There's some unwritten rules. There's no free throws, right? Like we never, we don't sit down and think like, okay, if somebody gets fouled, are they going to go shoot free throws? No, that's an unwritten rule. You don't get those in Yeah, in so there's no game. unwritten rules on defensive schemes. No, that's, that's exactly yeah, what I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. You know, like yeah. the, there are, there are some things all of us has agreed on without ever, ever having a single discussion. One of the things I think we've agreed on in this back shoe is do what you can to win. Yeah. Do what you can to win, man. You know, like it is what it is. And if that means doubling, then that's what the hell it means. Exactly. I would box and one him the next time. That's <laughs> that. Try that out. Exactly. I can't tell you how much I resent how how close you guys have gotten during this. <laughs> I mean, like this fool is laughing hysterically at your tags. You're memorizing his tags. This is really hard for me, but yet and still it is what it is. I will end today's podcast on another cliffhanger or more specifically a question that Marcus will completely ignore. <laughs> Next week, boys, I'd like your answer to this question. Chase Center has just been built and it represents the most modern, the most complete, the most amazing stadium that exists in today's world. If they had come to you if any member, the architect, if Joe Lacob, somebody come to you and said, all right, I need your take. What would you include in this stadium? Anything, cannabis club, extra leg room for when you sit down, a specific restaurant, anything, 
what would you have told Joe Lacob to include? Don't tell me now. Tell me next week. With that in mind, huge fun, you guys. Love doing this. True every week. Certainly true this week. You want to reach out and let us know that everybody should be memorizing Maxime's take, that I have been wrong, that Marcus is wrong, that anything we said should be taken back. You can hit us up at uh, warriorshuddle.gmail.com. That's our email. Our Twitter account remains at Warriors Huddle. And with that in mind, hopefully, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.